welcome to the Player Development Project podcast. My name is Dave Wright, co-founder and editor of Player Development Project. PDP is a website for coaches who are committed to learning, and we provide a huge library of resources which consists of cutting-edge insights from the world's most innovative player developers, coach educators, and researchers. If you want to learn from the best and join a community of like-minded coaches, then check out playerdevelopmentproject.com. On this week's Player Development Project podcast, we answer a question from our community. Hi everyone, welcome to another Player Development Project. Dan Wright. Dan, how are you this week? I'm good, thank you. Um, been enjoying our football. Um, this week I went to see uh, Bournemouth versus Wolves, so I'm a big Wolves fan. Um, probably lucky to come away with a, a point there and a football first for me. The uh, the game went on a little bit longer for um, injuries and then the sprinklers came on when all of the players <laughs> were still on the pitch, which is brilliant because you just had all these multi-millionaires standing there with their arms up getting absolutely drenched. So that was, uh, that was quite interesting. Uh, how's your week been? Mine's been interesting. And, and just on yours, there's nothing better than a little bit of slapstick, uh, even at that level. So good to see that the game's still got a sense of humour and perhaps the groundsman does. Yeah, mine's been good. We, uh, we had a good, uh, good sort of performance from our players on the weekend in terms of football, and we're very pleased with some of the outcomes. Um, we can perhaps touch on some of those in this conversation around uh, knowledge transfer and, and some of the outcomes here uh, regarding the question we're going to deal with. But yeah, other than that, plenty of time on the grass and plenty of exciting developments going on with PDP as well, which we're looking forward to announcing soon. So plenty happening. The question uh, this week comes from Ryan and it's come in via Twitter. And the question is, what areas should coaches cover for halftime team talks for foundation phase aged players? So I think it's a really interesting question. I think there's plenty of scope to have a conversation based on that. I think, first of all, I'd like to clarify foundation phase age players for those who don't perhaps work in the academy scene or, or aren't familiar with that term, uh, is players essentially in that 8 to 12 bracket, um, players learning the game and perhaps coming into organized football for the first time. So that's an important caveat just to put around the age group that we're discussing today. So Dan, what are your first thoughts from Ryan's question? Yeah, it's a good one, isn't it? I think whenever we get these kind of uh, questions in isolation, we always crave a little bit more context, don't we? So um, I think the the kind of first question I, I would ask is, um, how do we frame game day? So what is it that we've worked on in the week? Or what is it that, you know, how does game day look the same or different to training? Uh, and that would probably shape some of my behaviours in a halftime team talk. So that would be maybe the first thing that I would kind of search to know from uh, from Ryan. How about you for you? Yeah, I think, well, th that really for me is about how we define success, isn't it? So if we've worked on something during the week, do we want the game to be an extension of that? And are we looking for that knowledge transfer, which we kind of alluded to? So if your outcome is around a certain theme, then I think you know what you're probably looking for as a coach from the players in terms of what you want to see based on the work you've done. So perhaps you can go into your halftime talk or your pre-match conversation with those ideas. And I think having worked in this age group uh, in the UK, I think it, you know one of the things that we used to be conscious of is not overloading the players. So it would be about can we create some not metrics as such, but some key outcomes that we're looking for from the players around a topic. So perhaps it's controlling possession with a focus of switching play. And if we see switching play effectively throughout the game, um, that's going to be a great outcome. That's what we've worked on. And we can then frame the conversation we have with some questions at halftime or perhaps um, some different forms of feedback. So I think there's a few things we need to be aware of. Um, in terms of overload, 
What are some of the dangers of it from your perspective? Yeah, I think um, if you think uh, from an adult point of view, we've all probably been in classrooms or lectures or seminars where it reaches a point where we go, oh, nothing's going in anymore. Um, and for some people that might be 10 minutes, 25 minutes, 50 minutes. I would say for foundation phase players, that is much, 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 much shorter. Yeah. Um, so I, I would be conscious of trying to stick to two points. Um, I think anything after that is probably, uh, you're going to be lucky whether it's it's even gone in. I think you'll be lucky with two points uh, with some of the very young ones, the under kind of eights and nines. Um, but if that ties in nicely to what you've been working in the week, you might get kind of um, that constant repetition of this is what we've been doing, whether it's um, taking care in our passes. Um, and when you talked about targets, I think it's important that those targets are controllable. So we're not talking about, I personally wouldn't be talking about the result. I wouldn't mm. be talking about numbers. So, you know, making 50 passes or mm. taking five shots, I don't think you can control that. Like if the if the referee or the opposition or you know some other constraint means that we can't do that, then then you can't. You haven't got a team talk. Mm. If you, if one of your targets was um, make sure we work hard the, the whole time we're on the pitch, now that that is a controllable. Like mm -hmm. we can we can choose how hard we run around. Um, and another nice one would be for foundation players, you know, taking care in our passes. So making sure when you do choose to pass the ball, are you taking care using the right foot or the right weight? Those things then you could talk about at half time and it doesn't need to be any kind of link to the score. Mm. It might just be, Dave, when when you're trying to pass out wide, maybe maybe get the ball a little bit wider outside your body so that you can do it or um have you checked your shoulders before you make those passes. Those things then um they're being a bit more process driven than outcome driven. Yeah. Is that, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I think just on the, the overload uh angle from my perspective, I think it's very easy when you're in the heat of the match or you're seeing things and you maybe have a pen and paper and you, you've got your notes um to think, okay, well I've I've written, you know, let's say I've written eight key points down during the first half or the first quarter, whatever game format you're playing. And then to sort of download that to the players, just because, you know, suddenly I've got my five minutes with them, I've got to get all this across. If I don't get this across, you know, it's not gonna it's not gonna affect the second half, it's not gonna help them win the game. It's very it's very easy to kind of get caught up in that. So I think your behaviors and the behaviors that you determine um, you know, in, in how you best approach working with your players, they shouldn't really change from training to the match. So if you've got a style of communication during the week, which is, let's say, very calm and composed and relaxed, but on game day you're worked up and you're excited and, and so on, then then perhaps that can change. And I'm not saying don't be excited on the sidelines and encourage your players. And, and, and a, a great bit of feedback I received a number of years ago was around varying tone when you talk and, and varying tone when you coach. Be excited when the players do something great and be able to use your voice to speak quieter when you need to perhaps grab their attention. So just one of those things from a teaching perspective about manipulating your voice can be really important. But going back to the point around behaviors, I think it's important that you, there is a degree of consistency with the way you behave in terms of your expectations, and perhaps that will then over time be reciprocated from the players. Mm. I think um, to, to give like a, a real life example of, of how we've worked with foundation players, and these were under 11 so probably um, a little bit more uh, capable than than right those kind of eight and nine age groups we used to use like a massive flip chart we'd stick it in the changing room and the players would set themselves individual targets perhaps around the theme that we've been working or around their position or around their individual plan so it might be 
um, anything in those four corners. But for example, a forward might be uh, a number nine might make a, a target of uh, to try and run in behind, mm-hmm. and it's nice and simple and concise. And then we we, we might have um, two team targets again around a scheme of work or around what we've been working on in training or an area for improvement. So in and out of possession or could be psychological, could be social, two targets for the team. And then in half time breaks or in quarter breaks, we could then pull the game back to this framework. So rather than saying, oh, we're losing one nil and that team's better than us, it's, well, have you been making the runs in behind and have you been doing this? And um, what, what, and then you can dive into the detail of, okay, so what more do we need to do to, to, for you to kind of get success? Um, and then at the end of the game, we would use that flip chart to kind of just the players would do it themselves, give themselves a tick or a cross, or, or we sometimes had like a, an S for sometimes. And so then you talked about redefining success, which I know you've done the masterclass on, but then the players would be going through themselves. Yeah, I did that. Yeah, I did that. And then as they get more um, used to that system, you could give each individual two targets in and out Mm. of possession or something they're good at, a super strength and something to work at. Um, That's kind of the framework I'm using with a a group of 13s, something they're really good at, something to, to improve on. And then that constantly gives you something to talk about. And then tying that into information overload i think when you've you've made your points on your notepad what's emerged in the game it's choosing what's the headline like what yeah. does everybody need to know like what, what what would benefit the group is it a shape thing is it you know the, the pitch is bobbly and we need to take an extra touch you know what will benefit everyone mm. versus i've got these other seven things that i could just deliver individually so mm. i could just pull billy and dave and say good work there try a bit more of this but that doesn't need to be to the whole group yeah um, and we talked about this on a Q&A, like uh, how, how you could work with an assistant coach. So one strategy might be that if you and I are working together, you lead the team and you, you do the kind of headline big messages. And then every quarter, I might just focus on three or four individuals. Yeah. And then when they come off, say really good work with this or try more of that. Or did you notice this? Mm. Um, so that then we're, we're kind of a bit broader with our brushstrokes rather than this is one message and we're going to talk to you for 10 minutes and ram it down your throat. Yeah. Um, you might get a little bit more uh, retention that way. Yeah, I think so. I, th- I think that's a great point around picking a couple of key ideas. It's, it, as I say, the overload thing can be dangerous and, you know, we don't want to sort of uh, put on a tactical masterclass on the whiteboard or overwhelm the players when they're, particularly in this age group, it's so important. And it's probably not even a place for the sort of climb every mountain style victory speech where they go out 4-0 down and win 5-4 because, you know, what again, if we're focusing on development, then what we're looking for is an opportunity to say, okay, we're 4-0 down. How can we get some good outcomes in the second half? Is it that we're going to set ourselves the target of, defending unbelievably we're going to try and keep a clean sheet and if we get a goal going forward great it becomes 4-1-4-2 but can we go out and set ourselves a clean sheet and then challenge the players to think in that halftime conversation well how do we go about that and this kind of sort of leads into the next point we've got around this around the the either the Q&A or the the peer feedback where perhaps players can share ideas and I've always found it that I don't know whether I'm surprised a lot, but you, some of the information that players come out with can be absolutely bang on. Some of it can be generic, particularly with young players who will just say a word that they might think the coach wants to hear. Um, how can Space, improve? time, yeah, possession. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. So thanks for that. But let's talk a little bit more detail. So whilst we're saying don't overload them, you can be detailed in your idea. Well, we're 4-0 down. Can we work on defending a little bit closer together? Can we ensure that our distances between each of us are a little bit closer together? 
when we don't have possession. And then the players can talk about that themselves. And I think they have the capacity at that age group to do it. I think um, the asking the players also gives you a chance to understand what they've understood. Mm. So if we want them to make decisions, or we want them to be, uh, you know, have a little bit more ownership and autonomy, then we have to know what what they're experiencing, and they are better placed to tell us what they're experiencing than we are. Yeah. So, like I said, it's not it's not about us being tactical masterminds in Monday Night Football style, going, "Well, the seven <laughs> needs to get higher, and you need to roll inside." They might say, um, "We're really struggling on counter attacks," or "That boy can ca- carry the ball a lot," yeah. and then you go, "Great, so how are we going to stop that?" Yeah. Well, we need to get closer together, or we need to turn it into one v two. Cool, let's go and do it. Yeah. Like that's that's team talk done. Yeah. Um, and that will be hard for eight year olds, but you'd be surprised what like nine and tens can do. And Absolutely. you'll also be surprised once you turn that into a behaviour. Then, when you get to week eight, and you've been doing that every single week, week eight, the boy that was quiet at the back will say, "We need to do this, Dave." And you go, mm. "Brilliant!" Like he might yes. not do that week one. So it's, it's, again, having maybe a structure of, of what you want to do mm. um, week to week. And, and the uh, other one to look at here, of course, is player-led, isn't it? So th- there's an opportunity, and I've done this with under 11s and 12s, where you can actually get the players to lead. So you might identify, let's say, two or three players who are leaders in the group or perhaps have a leadership challenge within the group at the moment. So it doesn't always have to be the same leader every week. I think that's an important point there. But it may be that, okay, well, at half time today, these two or three players are going to give some feedback about how the game's going, maybe identify some issues, and then we're going to talk about it. And perhaps you as the coach can summarize. I'm not saying that the coach shouldn't coach, and I'm certainly not saying that the coach shouldn't help the players when they need help, um, because that is important, and, and there's a balance there between them being thrown in the deep end and learning to swim versus they're really drowning and they do need some help here. Um, so I think that's that's uh, something to consider. But the player-led idea can be really empowering, particularly for the player who may not get picked out at school as a leader, but within the group because they're competent at football and they're confident as a result of that, then maybe they've got leadership attributes that wouldn't be recognized elsewhere in a classroom setting where they're not as confident. So by giving them some responsibility and encouraging that peer-to-peer conversation, even at a very young age, you're encouraging good habits and going back to your point around behaviors that you know we're valuing within the group and and kids are learning because they're thinking they're not just doing and being told so there's a, there's an element of encouraging critical thinking through that conversation in my view mm. and when we're talking about the opposite end of the journey so if you were if you're thinking what do you want an 18 year old to look like well you don't want him at halftime sat there waiting for the coach to give him all the answers <laughs> we, we probably want him to recognize after 10 minutes they're playing four at the back and there's opportunity for us to exploit this and that their right-sided centre-back isn't very good. Well, you don't just suddenly turn that on at 16 and say, now you need to solve all the problems, off you go. Mm. So at under eight, you might drip feed some of that in, like, okay, mm. what shape are they playing? Or where, where are they strongest? Or what are the opportunities that we have? And they might say, well, when we go wide, we can beat them every time. Mm. Okay, so what do we need to go wide? Or we need to switch play? And, and then team yeah. talk goes doesn't it yeah i think the um the other thing that you try and you, you need to be conscious of and we talked about it on the overload is is maybe having a stopwatch to make sure we're you're not doing what we're doing which is just talking and talking <laughs> and talking so so if you've got like a i would probably say three minutes for this age group is is real mm-hmm. set yourself put on your stopwatch three minutes boom finish yeah because that will get even if you fail the first couple of times that would get you into the habit of being more concise and saying what you want to say rather than talking about you know, the, the parents or the pitch or the whatever. Just get get to the point 
and explain it in, the, in a, a nice child-friendly way as quick as you can, nice and concise, maybe with a bit of Q&A, off we go and play. Yeah. Because even as an adult, like I, I would find halftime team talks where someone just talks and talks and talks like... <laughs> It's, well, it's, the, it's the same as the coach that stops the session and talks for five minutes, isn't it? There's an element of, okay, well, I was in, the whistle went, I was engaged, did you have a good point? No, you're still here, you're still talking, and the ball hasn't rolled, and I, now I'm bored, and I'm looking over here, and I'm chatting to my mate while you're still on your rant. And as you say, you know, we don't have a stopwatch on these podcasts, but what we, what we try and do is make a plan here that there's a few points we're going to go through and try and cover off around the topic. So I think it's important that... You go in, you keep it concise, and, and I know we touched on it earlier, but the emotion of the match, you know, we're human. We're, we're all affected by it. Um, there can be days where, you know, it's harder than others in terms of maybe it's a bit spicy with the parents on the sideline. Maybe, you know, maybe you're 5-0 down and you're a bit embarrassed or the players are struggling or little Johnny's in tears because he's having a terrible day. And you, how do you deal with the emotion that goes around the game? Because we can't ignore it but we have to sort of deal with it and look at ways to address it. So it's important, again, going back to the question, what should I address? If it's driven around um, the areas that you framed as outcomes and the areas you're looking for knowledge transfer from session uh, to game, then hopefully that'll remove a little bit of the emotion. You are looking at it a bit more objectively uh, in terms of what you're seeing and not, not being sort of, you know, the red mist isn't sort of clouding judgment. I think that's that's really, again, easier said than done, particularly if, if the game means a lot to the players. Um, I don't think at any under-12 game, coaches should be uh, putting their careers or, or writing their career on the result of an under-12s fixture. But I do think that the players will care because kids enjoy winning and they enjoy competing and they want to go play and, and do well. Um, so there will be emotion if things aren't going well. And conversely, how do players cope when it's going really well and perhaps it's an easy day at the office? Can you challenge them at halftime with something extra to ensure that they benefit from that second half? Mm, and reframing yeah. Yeah, what, it is, yeah. what it is we're trying to get out of the game. So in terms of um, content, what would you recommend? Where, where would we go to... Yeah, well, look, we've got plenty on the site. So you've talked about the Q&A we did uh, with coach and assistant coach. So I think that's a good one. If Ryan's in a position where he does have an assistant coach or perhaps another parent who can help. Um, so that could be one to consider. We've got a fantastic communication masterclass uh, with Stephen Rolnick. There's actually two masterclass discussions on the site. If you just search Stephen Rolnick's name, you can find those and a great article by him as well. Uh, Jimmy facilitated those and they're brilliant discussions. Uh, read Maltby's blog, 140 Character Coaching. It's one that went up a while ago on the website, but it's consistently well read. Um, a really nice example of short, punchy, and effective communication. Um, Laying the Foundation, a blog by Nick Levitt, which again is a, is a historical blog or an archive blog as we refer to them. Um, a really good one for that age group. And also our masterclass discussion uh, with Stuart English at Birmingham City, which was fairly recent. Stu's got vast experience working with players of these age groups. And when I interviewed him, um, a lot of the questions were geared around this and, and some of his experience and expertise. So definitely recommend that. Dan, any final thoughts for Ryan on this topic? Yeah, I think it would just be good to continue the conversation. So if he goes away and tries some of these strategies and just sees... Uh, how they how they work with his players and how his players get on that'd be uh, yeah that'd be really interesting to see and maybe we could revisit this later on excellent well hopefully we've helped ryan out there and our listeners and viewers have taken something away dan thank you for your time no enjoyed it mate excellent we'll look forward to another player development project q a very soon
Thanks for joining us on the Player Development Project podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at PlayerDP or find us on Facebook. Don't forget to head over to playerdevelopmentproject.com where you can sign up to our progressive coaching community and gain access to our wide variety of resources to help you in your coaching. 